Welcome back. I'm Gaurav Dubey. And I'm Adrian Martinez. And this is Biolitics. Science Humanized. We have a pretty exciting episode here today with a very exciting guest. Here in this episode of Biolitics, we're featuring Jeffrey Allen. He is an energy healer. He is a spiritualist and a thought leader. And he's also a representative of Mind Valley. But he's not really here. Uh, Jeffrey, would you like to tell us where you're from? Or where you're sure. at currently? <laughs> you bet. Yeah, I'm actually from the U.S., but uh, I live in Japan. My wife is a fantastic Japanese woman, so that's what uh, brought me here to Tokyo. Oh, wow. That's really great. So Jeffrey's in Japan. We're here at Sonic Palace Recording Studios just outside Chicago in Oak Park. And we're here in this episode of Biolitics to, I guess, kind of further elucidate this uh, juxtaposition of technology and how it can bring us closer together, but maybe help us learn a little bit more about ourselves and a little bit more about spirituality, about energy and, uh, you know, th- things along that line. Jeffrey, uh, I know that technology and spirituality are two things that you're trying to kind of bring together as one and use to kind of connect people more to, to their energies. Can you comment on that real quick? Oh, you bet. Sure. Yeah. My, um, my background actually is an engineer. I was a software engineer for 15 years. So that's kind of the tech side for me. But I've also been studying uh, energy around the body, both like auras and chakras, and even a little deeper, how do you manage your energy and communicate with people, and so on. So these are, I've been doing that for a little over 20 years. And so these are my two passions, technology and spirituality or energy work. And so now I'm looking for, you know, how do I, how do I use those both? Because they're both really powerful, really fun levers to help. And that's very exciting. So as we're talking with Jeffrey Allen here, with him in Japan, us in Chicago on Skype, you know, some would say energetically, we're all still here and connected. So I think it's very appropriate that we uh, that we bring this up. I'm here with my co-host, Adrian Martinez. Uh, you've heard him on previous episodes and hope to hear him on many more. Adrian, thanks for joining us. Of course. It's always a good time uh, talking science, talking spirituality, energy. Um, it, it's just interesting. And I think I, I think you would agree, Jeffrey, uh, there's a lot of science behind this energy that you're able to portray uh, a, and capture in your own life. Can you, you kind of tap into that a little bit? Yeah, you bet. There's a, a lot of research that's going on now and uh, that, that's helping to validate what we've seen for many years through our experiences. So people have been meditating for so long and doing energy work for so long. And experientially, it's easy to see the results in your life and with other people. But what's really cool right now is we're starting to get uh, some really clear science behind it that shows why it works, what's happening in the brain, and uh, and so on. Although, personally, for me, I've always been an early adopter, so I'm not so stuck on like needing to have the scientific proof. I love that that's catching up because that's what's going to bring everybody on board and really validate this as um, you know something real instead of just something uh, woo-woo. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... Um, uh, but for me, I'm just I, I'm looking for what works. I'm always experimenting. Like I said, I'm an early adopter of technologies. I think of meditation and energy work as a technology. That's a really unique way to look at it. 
uh, energy work and meditation as a technology. And something I definitely want to touch on that I think you and I can sort of relate on is, you know, your early work, uh, you know, you're, you have a degree in mathematics, if I'm correct. You know, you definitely have a very science mind. You went into technology. And then you talk about having these paranormal experiences that push you towards a spiritual awakening or rather an awakening of consciousness. Can you describe these experiences and how perhaps you, you know, before you fully accepted that reality, how you were able to reconcile these paranormal experiences with your, you know, scientific mind? Yeah, you bet. That's a, it's a great question. So yeah, it, it kind of started for me when I was in college and I was uh, working on two degrees, a mathematics degree and a computer science degree. And at the time, I was also working for the for the U.S. government and for the Department of Energy doing research. And I had lots of high-level math classes and computer science classes. And, you know, I was basically a brainiac. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm just thinking and loving using the brain, very scientific-minded. And, uh, and then I started having some strange experiences. Like, um, I'll, I'll just describe a couple of them. One that was really fun was... Uh, and this was in uh, 1990. So I was, at, you know, it was night in my room and I'm looking around and I noticed that when I closed my eyes, I could see equations describing the room around me. And they were kind of uh, this, you know, bright green color. And it was just bizarre. I thought, okay, I'm taking way too many math classes. I, I, I never <laughs> did drugs, so it wasn't that. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and I just thought, oh, this is strange. Now, what was really fascinating was nine years later when the Matrix came out, and they were, I was watching the Matrix movie. I was like, oh, my God, they got it pretty good. They got it right. <laughs> like, <laughs> Didn't they, it, though? It, actually, it was really on like point. If, if, yeah, if you tap into uh, what's behind everything that you're seeing and hearing, you'll notice that there is mathematics behind everything. And I've even heard that from um, Michael Tamura, who's a very well-known and, and uh, amazing uh, psychic and, and healer. And, and he said that... Yeah, if you tune in, it, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And when you look at sort of the highest, deepest level of energy, it all looks like mathematics and geometry. And so that was one little thing that was that was really fascinating. But I think the one that got my attention the most was I was it was a very simple experience. I was dreaming, and my body kind of uh, shook, like you know, like we do sometimes when we're falling asleep. And my dream just like it just paused, and it was like these curtains parted. And my girlfriend's face appeared and she said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, my body just kind of jerked. And then I, and then the, the curtain closed and my dream resumed. And then I thought, wait a minute, that's weird. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I opened my eyes and I looked at her and I said, why, why didn't you just talk to me? And she said, oh, I just thought it'd be easy. You were sleeping. I thought it'd be easier to go where you were and talk to you there. Because this, this was kind of normal what? for her, right? She had experiences like this growing up. But for me, I was like, what just happened? Right. Like, that's not like, that's not possible. I just had an experience that I don't think was possible. And so to reconcile that, I, I just, you kind of have two choices. You can either say, is my experience insane or are my beliefs insane? You know, it's one <laughs> or the one or the other. Right. Right. And uh, hopefully not both. And, <laughs> and I said, well, where did I get these beliefs anyway? You know, as a scientist, they should be based on something. They should have some evidence or some like these beliefs should be based on something tangible. And I was kind of shocked to look that uh, the further I looked at my beliefs, I couldn't actually find reasons behind most of them other than I, I saw it on TV or my parents told me or I learned it through society. I didn't have any evidence to back up almost everything that I believed to be true. So did you always have this 
you know, kind of mind of exploration. Like, you didn't have a religious background, or did you have a religious background? But you went out, it sounds like you went out and questioned what is out there in the world, and you sought out your own answers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, actually, I did grow up in um, in the Lutheran church, and, and uh, probably like most uh, people in the U.S., we, we went to church, and I I learned everything, but I don't know if I really understood it or wasn't 100% sure what to make of it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, I guess my, my perspective is always that, like I said, I think our beliefs should be based on our own experiences. And so I always sought to have new experiences, like things that challenge my beliefs, things that expand me, whether it's right. uh, some meditation or, like I said, I, I've never gone the... the drug route. So that's, I'm sure that works for some people. I know that was, a, uh, you know, popular for some CEOs we know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for me, just getting experiences through meditation or different exercises, uh, has been super powerful. And, uh, yeah, so I, you're, you're absolutely right on there. Um, it seems like your girlfriend also has challenged you. Do you want to talk about that relationship and maybe relationships in general and how different ones that you form can challenge your beliefs? Sure, you bet. Yeah, uh, that's actually a really powerful question because this was in college. You know, my college girlfriend had, it was normal for her to have these kind of paranormal or psychic experiences. Uh, They just, it was something that happened in her family and she would, she'd been exposed to. And when I started hanging out with her, because it was normal for her, even though I didn't, it wasn't normal for me, I didn't, I didn't think it was necessarily false, but I certainly didn't have any reason to believe it was true. But when I started hanging out with her, those experiences kind of rubbed off. And experiences change you. If you have a tangible experience of feeling energy, it changes you. You can't can't dismiss it so easily because it's your experience. It's not just a story somebody else told you. And, uh, and relationships are a super powerful way to do that because you're get, you're spending enough time with that person that your energy is starting to mix together. You're starting to learn from each other energetically in addition to, you know, your normal sort of, um, you know, what you think of as kind of real world learning. Mm-hmm. And that's really, it's really powerful that you say that. And I think I can really relate because, you know, as we talked about briefly before, I have a science background, you know, as well. I was a scientist do, working at the John P. Hussman Institute for Human Genomics. I was reprogramming blood cells to stem cells, modeling autism, really on the forefront of science. And at the same time, you know, I was in Miami and I was going to this Buddhist center on Hibiscus Island and, um, this mansion where it was got converted into a Buddhist center, had statues, monks would come from Nepal and India and Tibet. They would do empowerments, they would do Reiki energy healing and acupressure and acupuncture, all these different modalities of Eastern healing I'd never been exposed to before. Uh, the mm-hmm. first experience I had was doing yoga while I was doing P90X. And one of the days was yoga and I was exercising in college. And I remembered that yoga was so powerful to me that I went to go investigate. And as I started going to this Buddhist center and a lot started unraveling and opening up for me energetically. But simultaneously, I was at the stem cell lab all day, you know, really digging deep into, you know, brute science, you know, like what what we see and, and believe as the, the scientific foundation of, of evidence. So uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was really interesting to have both of these experiences happening at the same time. And at the beginning, it seemed that they were so conflicting. But 
after studying science deeper, after studying spirituality on a deeper level, I, I almost found that they, they complemented each other perfectly. Like to me, I see science and spirituality as two strands of a DNA double helix, each axiom and schema perfectly complementing the other, forming the backbone of the universe and its existence. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about that, Jeffrey? What do you think about uh, science and spirituality? Do you really see them as two sides of, of one coin? Yeah, definitely. I, I would probably go even further and say they're just, you know, one side of one coin. Nice. <laughs> right. So when I, when I look at um, spirituality and I look at science, uh, they're, you know, they're both dealing with that desire to understand what's happening in our world, understand what's happening with us. And they've, they're just taking different approaches. And, you know, science is relatively new in the human experience. I would say, you know, before we had any kind of rigorous science, we had religion and spirituality. And, and so, you know, the exploration was more on a on kind of a personal level or, um, you know, uh, an experiential level rather than, than kind of testing and validation and so on. And, uh, but I think they're really, the goal is the same thing. Uh, the, um, the trick though, is that sometimes when, when people start steering into spirituality, they let go of the the need for it to make sense or the need for it to kind of jive with the rest of their belief system. Right. And, um, and that's a little, you know, I, I can say this because I did the same thing, <laughs> <laughs> right? So when I, you know, when I started getting into energy healing and, and kind of into new age things, uh, for a while I went sort of off into la la land where it's like, I wanted to believe everything was true. You know, if somebody mm-hmm. told me a magic story, I was wanted to believe it was true. And mm-hmm. and it's it's easy to sort of kind of cast yourself out there into like, you know, I just want to believe everything I hear. But that's not really uh, it's not really that useful. Like eventually, most people I see and myself too, you end up coming back and saying, okay, I want to have, I want to be open to everything, but I also want it to be real in some way. I want it to be tangible. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful part. I think, like I said, science is kind of catching up and is going to give us that at some point pretty soon here, I think, where we'll say, yeah, a lot of that spirituality is true because here's the science. And we may also say, oh, a lot of that spirituality, you know, this part was probably just some interesting stories. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> but, what I find this... really fascinating is I feel like that bridge that connects the two together is is quantum physics to me. I don't know if you've heard of the documentary, What the Bleep Do We Know? But a mm-hmm. lot of it actually centralizes ar- around the theme. I think something that you often touch on is that we can manifest our own reality. We can bring what we want into our existence because this physical world around us that, that we see, you know, often t- termed as Maya or the illusion in a lot of Eastern modalities of thinking, it's something that we can manipulate because an atom, which makes up everything, is really more of an idea than actually something physical. So we actually have a lot more control over our circumstances instead of being victims of those circumstances. Is that something you would agree with? Oh, totally. Yeah, we're, this is definitely a, a collaborative effort. You're not just, um, you know, your like information is coming in and you're processing it with your consciousness and your brain and so on. So you're getting this information from the universe, if you will, but then you're also informing the universe at the same time. So your thoughts, your actions, what you want to create, it's a, it's a gigantic uh, feedback loop. Uh, that's, that's a really simple way to say it, but, but it's, uh, uh, you're definitely uh, informing the universe, getting informed by it. If you want to study that deeper, um, Nassim Haramein is probably the, the teacher and physicist that I've seen that goes the deepest in that level. 
Um, I went and studied with him. He's out in Hawaii. I studied with him for 10 days. It was one of the few times where my brain actually hurt (laughs) 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 from just too much. And he's uh, basically doing a unified theory of like, um, we're looking at quantum physics. We're looking at uh, relativistic physics. We're looking at different branches of spirituality. And can we pull from all of these and, and sort of leverage each other? So really, really fascinating work. It really is. And I think you uh, mentioned something that was really interesting. And it's just about, I guess, kind of controlling your energy. Uh, it seems like you have the ability to control your energy. What you give to the universe in a sense is what you get back. Um, but what would you say about some of the dark topics that are going on today in our society? We have so much terrorism, so much violence. And I think there, that's also an energy that's being portrayed out into the universe and the universe is reacting in a way to it. Sure. Yeah. There's actually uh, two, two parts to that question. Um, one is that, uh, like, what is that coming from? Why are we seeing these dark energies and sort of this perspective that's, you know, terrorism and, and uh, scarcity and so on. And, and when I, when I dive deeper into that, I really think that all of that is coming from a, a kind of a mistake or error in consciousness, which is this kind of belief and understanding we grew up with that we're separate from each other and that we're separate from the world. And this is actually a very scary belief system to be separate. And it, it's what leads us into scarcity and this idea that maybe it's okay to like try to get on top of somebody energetically or try to compete with somebody or try to hoard resources. And I think this this scarcity and separateness mindset actually is what is leading to all of the big problems we have in the world right now. And so on, on one level, it's it's uh, it's exciting to find like if you can find where one uh, one thing is the cause of many other problems. Now you have a place of leverage. And I think the the leverage we have is to help people shift into uh, a feeling and experience and a belief system of of connectedness. And this is what a lot of the traditional you know this is what a lot of religions are. Uh, are preaching about is connectedness, at least within a certain group. Now, I would expand that, you know, to say it's connectedness with everybody, not of like course, just right. our religion, not all, <laughs> not the other religion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really important to include everything there. But also energy work, I found, is a super powerful way to help people shift into an experience of connectedness. Because if you've, it's so fun to watch people. When I teach workshops, first thing I do is I have people build a little energy between their hands and then I have them feel each other's auras. And sometimes these are people that don't even believe in auras, but they, they realize, hey, I felt something. I don't know why, but I'm feeling the energy field around this other person's body. And right away, you know that, oh, we must be connected somehow because I didn't touch the person. I didn't, you know, it's uh, something is happening here that's uh, connected. And I think that's the fundamental shift we're looking for is um, – out of separation and into uh, connection. That's really it's really cool. You talk about connection being an underlying issue that we can tackle to then overcome all these other problems. You know, elucidating this union that we all have as as humans, and then beyond that, as you know, as a sentient being in in this universe. And I know we've kind of thrown around the term religion, and then as well also spirituality. Uh, I know in my mind at least, there's a clear, maybe not so clear, you know, demarcation between them. I heard a quote the other day that I feel. Like embodies my experiences between the two very well and it's 
religion is for people that want to go to heaven. Spirituality is for people that have been through hell. And I feel that while we might all have our different perceptions of the afterlife or whatever that may hold for you, I think going through something very trying, going through some really horrible disaster and then turning to something bigger than yourself, some higher power, I feel like that in a sense is what that quote is getting at. That is what is maybe considered spirituality, although that can also be applied to religion. You know, someone goes to prison and they start reading the Bible and it reforms them. I think there's a spiritual element to that. Can you describe the relationship between these two, these two terms? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Let's see. So for me, I, I would think that the way I would I would divide it is I'd say it depends on the perspective you're coming from. So if you're coming from a perspective of believing that you're separate from the source of all information, from the, so you could call that God, or you could call that the universe, or you could call that your higher self, you know, that everybody uh, has this idea of something that's bigger, regardless of their in their belief system. Mm -hmm. And so if I believe that I'm separate from that, then uh, I'm going to seek out a religion. I'm going to seek out somebody who's connected to that that can then tell me what I'm supposed to do or supposed to believe. Right. And so there's this middleman. Religion is about having a middleman between yourself and God, essentially. And um, this is just my opinion. And spirituality, in my opinion, is that understanding that, okay, maybe I don't need a middleman. Like maybe I can connect directly to the whole, to each other, to the universe, to God. And I don't, maybe I don't need that middleman. I'm not saying it's not useful to listen to other people. Certainly we can learn from each other, but you don't have to, uh, you don't have to go through another person to get to the truth or go get to get to God and get to your source. And it's a, uh, it's kind of funny you mentioned it because when I think of science, in some ways, science has the same problem. Them. Most people don't think of science as something they can do themselves. Right. They think of it as, I have to go to the scientist, and then the scientist can connect to science mm-hmm. for me, because I'm not smart enough or whatever. And we see the same thing in medicine. People say, I have to go to the doctor or the hospital, because they have the information, and they're connected to the source of information. I can't get it myself. Wow. It's the same separate thinking. And if you look at like kind of more... Um, uh, holistic medicine, people are usually saying, okay, I want to do it myself. I want to, you know, it's my body. I, I think I can connect with it. I don't think I have to go through a middleman. And it's the same, it's the same concept of, are we separate? Do we need middlemen? Are we separate, not just from each other, but from God or from the source of healing and information in life? Or are we all connected and, and we can all do it ourselves and kind of enjoy collaborating, but not necessarily needing to have a middleman? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting from my own experience in the emergency department, you know, we have a lot of people that have that, I would say, false sense of security. You know, I need to go to a physician, I need to go to the hospital, and I need to seek treatment for this ailment. Um, But there's been times, you know, recently, I've had some young people come in with thoughts of suicide, uh, attempts at suicide. And I was able to just sit there and listen. And listening just made this connection. I was able to feel their pain because I was able to relate to their pain. And I sensed throughout the conversation as it progressed, there was a connection that was forming between the two of us. And it ended with, you know, hugs and tears. Um, 
on both sides. And I think that's a strong connection right there. But I've also been in a long distance relationship the last few months. And even though we've been apart for so long, uh, there's been these strong moments of connection as well that you speak of. Um, do you think your travels have broadened your sense of connectedness to the world, to your current relationship? Yeah, definitely. There's, um, first I want to just want to say it's really beautiful that you were able to connect with that, that person that needed to help because it's, um, that's what changes things, right? Because they, they were, pro if they're wanting to, to die, they're probably feeling pretty separate and alone. That's <laughs> a scary, scary place to be. Yeah. But, uh, I would say for me, yeah, definitely travel has, has made a big difference for noticing the connection because there's strange things that happen. Like if you, like Japan is situated so far enough across the planet that everybody that I'm friends with is pretty much, you know, sleeping when I'm awake and awake when I'm sleeping. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and I noticed that that changed my experience. There's, there was definitely a lot of communication happening, uh, with my friends and everybody who was awake. And when I'm far away and they're not, we're not awake at the same time, it's, it's different. So it's really, really, um, strange quieter but um yeah quieter i think that's why i'm in japan is i'm learning to um kind of quiet the western world wow. and also how cool. to embrace some of the beautiful amazing things in the culture here and uh and then you know ideally bring them back together you know inform let the u.s sort of inform japan and japan inform the u.s you know from an awareness perspective you do you know, feel as a u.s citizen you you're an ambassador um for for what you do for the for the energy you create uh yeah probably in some ways i mean i know that you know when i look at the the big difference that i see that i'm maybe i'm helping with here in japan is that in japan people always uh, think about the other person first and uh in fact uh one of my Japanese friends was kind of angry at one of my American friends. <laughs> and she said, I'm just frustrated because he, you know, he always thinks about himself first. And I said, Oh, that's funny. That's actually cultural. I said, <laughs> I said, first, actually you're wrong. He didn't think about himself first. As Americans, we'd think about ourselves only. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me. And then the other people, it's just take care of number one. That's mm -hmm. what I learned growing up. Right. That's funny. And it sounds kind of harsh, but it's just true. And, uh, for most people. And then, in Japan, they, it's the opposite. It's like, just take care of other people and don't care, take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And and neither of these are balanced. And so, you know, I suggested to her that, um, you know, you should think about yourself and take care of yourself and think about other people and take care of them. This should be like a balanced thing rather than mm -hmm. thinking, again, it's about uh, doing it together rather than separate, right? Now, when I transition more to the healing aspect of your work, you know, I know you consider yourself an energy healer and the practices that you engage in, that you advocate for can definitely cause healing. But, you know, we talked about this middleman situation with physicians. And then I wonder what your take is on your, uh, you know, on energy healing and how it fits into Western medicine and allopathic medicine today. I mean, what discrepancies have you noticed and is there a way for both to synergize together? Yeah, definitely. I, I think they're both fantastic. Yeah. So hopefully I didn't give the impression that I'm, I'm against Western medicine because, um, I think you want to look at where are you experiencing difficulty or where is your illness? If you're like physically sick, 
then taking a physical course of action is a great idea. And Western medicine rocks at that. If you're emotionally sick, probably taking an emotional approach is better than a physical approach. Uh, same thing if you're um, uh, you know sick in your mind or in your spirit. Those are the kind of the four categories, you know, body, mind, mm -hmm. emotions, and spirit. Although for me, I would say energy instead of spirit because that takes off some of the like makes it a little less scary to say energy. Right. And when you look at what we're doing in energy healing, it's it, the approach is very different. So what I see in uh, in physical medicine is that what you're doing is you're you're trying to change your your situation now. You're basically trying to take a symptom or a problem you have and make it go away. So it's kind of like changing yourself. I'm in this one location. I want to move to this other location, right? Mm -hmm. With my body or my health or so on. Um, energy medicine or energy healing is different in the sense that what you're doing is you're changing your trajectory. So you're basically saying, I'm headed in this direction energetically, like I'm, I'm facing north and walking north all the time. And so if I want to stop going north, maybe I had a turn and maybe start headed the direction I want to go, whether it's east or northeast or something. And turning, like in the moment, you don't always notice a big difference because you didn't really change your position much. You might have the same symptoms. You might look pretty much the same. But what you'll notice is that over time, as time passes, because you've changed your trajectory, you'll end up in a very different place. And, but it's different. You have to think differently. You have to be a little patient right. <laughs> and, and you have to understand like, okay, this is how I'm going to get long-term changes because if you just change your position and never change the direction you're headed, you're going to kind of keep ending up in the same place, right? Of course. You can take some medicine and end up in the same problem, you know? So I, I would recommend both actually for most people. Now, small changes make a, a big difference. Uh, you know, they say a plane that's headed, I believe, from California to New York, uh, a one-degree change in its trajectory will send wow. it all the mm -hmm. way to Moscow, you know, instead, instead of New York. Yeah, so small changes over time definitely make a big difference. But I want to ask you, I want to press that question a little further. You know, it's easy when you separate physical medicine from something maybe psychological, energetic, or emotional. But wouldn't you say that in a lot of cases, the two are related? I know a lot of Eastern modalities of thinking, Buddhism, Hinduism, they say that any sort of physical ailment is just a manifestation of a negative thought pattern. You know, I guess one way I always looked at it is there are, you know, these physical processes and these, these physical aspects of our body, but there's a higher order um, of, of processing a higher order of everything working, which is this energetic order, you know, the attitude you have, the energy in your body and how that affects the functioning of your cells, the proteins, the DNA. I mean, all of that is, I don't feel like it's just in this organism, but I feel like there's this backdrop, this energetic backdrop that does play an influence in, in everything from something very physical to my new puppy that just got Giardia and, you know, he took some metronidazole, some Paracin and that physical medicine cleared it right up and, and you know, she, she's doing great now. But then, you know, there's also a lot of, you know, physical ailments in, in people that have a very strong energetic and, and you know, component to it. So how would you address that am ambiguity? Yeah, well, I would say uh, that's definitely true from my experience is that there's things happen in energy first before they show up in the physical world. And if you look at this in a, right. in a very detailed way, uh, you can even see that this is what's happening in the chakra system. We get an everything starts as kind of an idea or an inspiration. 
uh, which is in the upper chakras, then you're kind of thinking about it or filling in the blanks with your mind. Then you start talking about it with your throat and your fifth chakra. And then you, you start really loving something and getting passionate about it. And then, but all this, you know, you can think about it or a project or even a disease or condition of the body. All those things are just ideas and energy so far. No action has taken place. But that's all necessary. You have to have that. Then when you get into the lower chakras, like solar plexus, now you're starting to take action in the world where those energies are affecting you and sort of um, changing things in your body. Uh, second chakra is a little bit lower. That's about... Um, in, in the positive sense, you're like getting really passionate and sort of nurturing something into life. And then eventually it's, you know, your project, you want it to be born into the world and kind of have its own legs, kind of like a person, right? Uh, so the same thing right. happens with, um, you know, this journey from thought or energy into matter. The same thing happens with, with physical things. So if something happens in my physical body and I get sick, definitely there was something happening in the energy before, now, if if we can get better at sensing that and noticing like what happens before people get sick, hey, that you've got a lot more leverage because it's just happening in the energy. It's pretty easy to change. It's just kind of like uh, changing directions. It doesn't take a, such a big lever. Once things have gotten really down into the body and manifested, that's when we need, you know, some like powerful medical procedures, you know, like if you're needing a open heart surgery, that's, that's pretty serious. You've let that manifest line. into something so physical that we have to take drastic physical action. I mean, it's really cool that we can. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so happy that we have those, those capabilities, mm -hmm. but I'd suggest an easier road would have been to like catch that early and, uh, and just change the energy and, um, you know, and avoid that, that difficult outcome. And I feel in a sense, energy healing is essentially preventative medicine. You know, you catch this ailment early enough, you can prevent it from manifesting long term. And I feel like that's kind of what you can provide to people. Um, would you like to talk more about duality and the concept behind it, what it can do for people and what it does mm, for sure. you? Sure. You mean the duality training that I have? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you bet. So, um, yeah, I think you're right on. So it's think about energy work is kind of preventative. So it, it's it's helping you to, uh, you know, steer your life down an easier road and avoid some of the difficulties that um, that you're used to bumping into. And the reason I see that is, say that is we all have energy patterns that we see playing out around us and it's super frustrating the second or third or fourth time you create the same difficulty in a new relationship or maybe you get a new job and then you end up creating the same problems as you had before, <laughs> you know, because eventually when you do right. that, you have to admit that like, it's probably me because I'm the only constant in this equation of <laughs> the new relationships and new jobs. And so what the duality training does is a training I have with mind Valley is it basically introduces us to like, how do you sense and feel energy? Because if you can't, if you can't sense it yourself, you're going to have a hard time changing it or adjusting it. And I like to empower people to do it themselves rather than rely on a third party. Uh, even me, you know, I'd, I'd prefer people did it for themselves than relied on me. And uh, so in duality, we go through all the basic energy tools. How do you, how do you get more present physically in your body? How do you charge yourself up energetically? How do you heal yourself and move out these these energy blocks? Or the, how do you change patterns in your relationships and your business and so on? If you want to manifest something, how do you do that energetically? What does it actually look like to make a project come true? 
And, uh, you know, when you relate with somebody, what's really happening in the energy when you talk to them? Like what's, what's being communicated that you're not seeing? And it's, it's really fun because, um, for, for me, this class is very experiential. I want to give people uh, exercise and experience where they can do it themselves. Because once you do that, you get really excited. Like, wow, I have these superpowers. I can, I can see and feel energy now. And, <laughs> you know, and it's like, <laughs> what can I do with it? What can I change? And it's that enthusiasm and, and curiosity that I think is, um, is just, uh, the biggest gift I can give people. Because once that opens up for people, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to go back when you've had a new experience and it's hard to discount that, but also your logical mind that's usually sort of discounting these experiences and forcing you to have uh, external validation starts to let go. You just, you're having fun, you're enjoying yourself and you're, you're learning and experiencing energy firsthand. And that's, that's fantastic. Super fun. That's really cool. I completely agree. You know, when I was going to the Buddhist center, I was doing these, uh, you know, very esoteric tantric meditations where we would do, uh, you know, these chanting and these mantras, these very powerful visualizations, uh, these prostrations. And it really felt like having superpowers after a while. I mean, it was really mind blowing to me, this world that opened up to me. And at the same time, I was contributing and being part of a very, you know, powerful scientific movement. I mean, stem cells were really the thing and they still are today, you know. So going to this world that was very uh, ingrained in its scientific axioms, but then, you know, just going over the MacArthur Causeway, not even that much farther to you know, this beautiful Buddhist mansion I was at. And then meeting all these, you know, people that were saying a lot of the things that you're telling me today and that we're talking about today, you know, almost, I don't know, six, seven years ago now when I first started hearing them, uh, it, it was challenging to believe them. But once I had the experiences myself, once I got my first energy healing and I saw lights and colors and I also was not on drugs. So, you know, it was it was very wild to me because there I was experiencing euphoria, getting messages, I mean, really feeling and finding insight that I had never been able to attain before. I mean, even though I was at that, playing that role as a scientist in society, I could not dissociate myself or, or run away from these very real, very tangible spiritual experiences. And it seems like you want to help everybody uh, uncover that. So my next question for you is how do you intend on bringing your work, you know, to the masses, to, to as many people as you, you possibly can and, you know, truly really get your message out there. Yeah, that's a, that's a question I've been asking myself the last couple of years. The, the first thing that I've done is I, I used to really just teach to, it's kind of like preaching to the choir, right? So I, I taught classes to people that were already into energy work and healing and intuition. And in some ways it was really easy. It was, uh, it allowed me to go really deep and do uh, really high level graduate classes. But I realized at some point that that's actually not the people that I'm here to reach. I'm here to reach everybody because I'm a little bit different from your normal kind of, um, you know, sort of new age person. I'm also a scientist and I'm right. very, uh, you know, I want things to be real. And so what I'm doing now is taking kind of all that fantastic experience that I've had over 20 years and sorting it into a system that you can use to reliably get experiences and also adding in like, why would you want to learn about chakras? Why would you want to learn about the aura? What can you do with that to make your life better and to make other people's lives better? 
And so um, basically kind of taking it out of the, the, the new age and the woo-woo and, and putting it into sort of terms and exercises that real people can use. And uh, so that's happening now. And I've got a, a couple new classes that I'm working on that are along that same lines, just uh, getting getting deeper into the, you know, the, the next step, the next step, the next step, because I have so many things I can teach up into the graduate levels of energetics and spirituality. But you know, most people aren't quite ready for that yet. Most people are just, they're excited about that first right. aha. Like, like you mentioned, like, wow, it feels like I have superpowers. I'm doing this yoga and, and I can't believe mm -hmm. it. It's, you know, so that's where most people are. And that's where the biggest leverage is. Cause we need to move everybody out of this difficult, mm -hmm. separate, um, kind of uh, lonely mindset and into sort of having those experiences of, uh, connection and oneness. I mean, you couldn't have said it better when you brought up the matrix. I mean, can anyone really take the red pill and pretend they didn't see, you know, everything they just <laughs> saw and just ignore the fact that they found out what, you know, true existence is really like? I mean, you can't, you can't, I mean, I couldn't, you know, go back to just being ignorant after that. You have to pursue it farther. I think you have to pursue it, I think, forever. And then I think when you become passionate about it, like yourself, you can't help but want to share that. You know, you can't help but want to make others uh, experience or at least allow them to experience, you know, this this magic that you did. So I know that you're able to really, you know, teach these advanced classes and you've really gone really far into this practice. So what would you recommend for someone that is maybe listening to this podcast, has absolutely no experience in energy work, maybe heard the term energy healing for the first time uh, during this recording? How should they get started? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I've actually got a, an energy starter kit that I would recommend for people. It's on my website. It's It's free. And it's just a seven days of just a really simple kind of a one paragraph and a little diagram of something that you can try with your energy. Uh, and I like the starter kit because it's, it's not threatening. You just get a, it doesn't take a lot of time, but you try grounding yourself and then you notice what happens during the day. Did you have different experiences? Then the next day you try something else. Like you try adjusting your aura and seeing, okay, did that make any difference? Mm -hmm. Did I have any different experiences? And my goal is that if you if you go for a week and you try something different every day, you know, one or two of those things are going to stick for you. You'll notice a few of those where you're like, OK, that one, that one was interesting. It made a difference for me. And I want to know more about that one. And uh, but you got to start somewhere. You got to start with having an experience. And I don't recommend that you go like you don't have to go super, super, super deep initially. Just try some things out. Uh, it could also be, you know, go to a yoga class, go uh, do some meditation, whatever it is that gets your attention, try it. And the things that are working, keep doing them. If they're not working for you, just find something else. There's so many paths uh, to find your own spirituality and your own awareness. You, you, you don't have to, um, it doesn't have to be a difficult journey. It should be a fun, exciting journey. That's, that's the right path for you. And I think in a very intuitive journey, I think that's something that we've talked about is spirituality is something in individual. It's something unique. And, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I don't know how to meditate. You know, I don't, I don't know. I never, never have meditated before. Like, and there's definitely different sorts of meditations. There's Vipassana, you know, there's like Tong Lang, which is a, a Buddhist meditation. It's very powerful. And, 
But at the same time, I've met quite a few people and I really admire this about them. They've come up with their own meditations. You know, they've come up with their very own practices that they've shared with me. Have They've been very fascinating, very powerful and very unique to them. You know, and I think I encourage everyone to do that. You know, get in your own space and just try something new. And I think... Just in doing that, you have to have an element of trust and faith in yourself. Uh, be ready to try something out of the box and not, f- you know, be okay with feeling awkward about it. Did you have any of these experiences? I mean, how much of your work is, uh, I guess, influenced by others and how much of it, I guess we talked about at the beginning, a lot of it was just you paving your own way. Is that correct? Well, actually, I, I studied a lot because, you know, the that was the scientist in me. I, you know, I wanted to know what was happening and find out more. So I I read like every book I could get my hands on. Um, this was back in the nineties, so we didn't have the internet yet, but, uh, then, you know, at some <laughs> point I started uh, taking classes and I actually went to a training school in how to, how to learn about energy, how to do healing work. Uh, I taught at the school. I was on the board of directors for a while. And so I, I actually studied with, uh, the best teachers I could find and went as deep as I could go. And, uh, where was the school located? Uh, the school I went to was in Boulder, Colorado. It's called uh, Psychic Horizon Center, uh, but there's there's many cool. similar schools that are anything that comes from the Berkeley Psychic Institute out in Berkeley, California, has kind of the same uh, teaching or kind of the same basis that I start with, which is teaching people you know how do you actually use your energy body, just like you'd want to learn like how to use your physical body. If you want to lose, if you want to learn to use your energy mm-hmm. body, then you have to kind of know some of the terms and the practices and so on. Uh, but those, um, all those schools go go very, very deep into, you know, can you sit down for an hour and look at somebody's energy and tell them about what's happening in their body or their life or their relationships or past lives or, you know, it just goes, uh, it just mm. goes so deep. It's uh, it's really fun. How do you respond to to critics of of your work and energy healing as a whole? People, you know, fellow scientists as yourself who dismiss all of all of these kinds of teachings and all of, you know, your experiences mm-hmm. and the like, how do you respond to that? Well, I would say, uh, it's kind of where we started, you know, I'd say that, you know, our beliefs should be based on our own experiences. And so, you know, I've had, I've sought out and had a lot of strange experiences in my life. And so my beliefs are a little bit different than most people's. Um, but what I would suggest for people, if you're, if you're really stuck and, you know, feeling like none of this can be real, I would ask you, are your beliefs based on your experiences? Like, do you have an experience that proved to you that these things aren't true? Or are you just afraid uh, that if you sort of leave the, um, the comfort of the group behind, that you'll be ostracized? <laughs> right? Because I definitely... I really like that response. You know, I definitely went mm-hmm. through that, you know, because I was, you know, I was... Uh, you know, I worked for the Department of Energy. I was doing research and uh, in computer science and mathematics, and um, I didn't tell anybody I'm going. You know, I'm interested in psychic stuff because they would think I'm crazy, right? And that, so I just kind of kept that to myself. Um, but at some point, I just thought, you know, hey, this is just—it's interesting to me. And what I found is the more people—if I was brave and talked to people about it, maybe I'd use different terms because that's kind of a loaded uh, mm-hmm. negative term, you know, psychic. But um, if I started talking about energy or intuition, that uh, most people got a little bit interested. And I was really shocked last year. Um, I guess it was, yeah, last year I was on stage at Awesomeness Fest, which is a big festival that Mind Valley puts on. 
And I was speaking about energy in front of a group of people that were not my normal audience. They didn't come to see me. And so a lot of these people are very, uh, very smart, very, and also skeptical. And the biggest comment I got back from people afterwards is, hey, I'd, I don't believe in this energy stuff, but I saw your talk and now I'm interested in learning a little bit more. Right. That's really cool. And I feel like you, you, you touched on bravery and bravery, I think, in is in itself is a sense of energy. You were brave enough to get up on a stage in front of people who didn't believe what you believed and you were able to capture a feeling, a moment and make people have a different perspective, even yeah. if that was for that short period of time. Yeah. And, and again, the way that I, I do that is just by giving people experiences. So I'm really good at giving you experiences <laughs> that mess up your belief system. I like that. <laughs> That's my gift. That's my gift. <laughs> I can, especially if we're in person, you know, I can, I can open up your hand chakras. I can make you feel each other's auras. And then you're like, then you're, you're stuck. Cause you're like, I don't know. I went to this workshop. This weird stuff happened. Right? Yeah, it always be in the it. back of your mind, if, if not the front. <laughs> that's my that's my gift. Jeffrey, would you like to give uh, links to where people can find you? Of course, we'll put links up on the page and on the website. But uh, can you tell us where people can find you? Sure, you bet. Yeah, the easiest place to find me is on my website. It's www.iamjeffreyallen.com. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. You'd uh, do the same thing. Just look for I am Jeffrey Allen and you'll find me on Facebook. And uh, those are the best places. Can you tell us a little bit more about Mind Valley and your involvement? Sure. Yeah. Mind Valley is a fantastic publishing company that uh, teaches uh, or publishes programs about uh, entrepreneurs and um, uh exercise and, and I was going to say spirituality, but I would say that it's more for them like consciousness and how to help people. I would use the same and, word. Yeah. And, uh, and they're fantastic. I, I love Mind Valley because they're, they're brave. They're out there, uh, spreading information that can really help people and they're super good at it. And they're a fantastic. Oh, company. Great. Jeffrey, thank Indeed. you so Definitely. much for joining us today. Um, you know, while you're on the other side of the world, it's nice to connect here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Great. Yeah, and thanks for all your fantastic questions. And I hope uh, hope it helps open up some people's minds to uh, uh, the wonderful and sometimes crazy world of energy work because uh, it's powerful. If you open your mind and, and play with it, all of a sudden you'll be over on the crazy side too, <laughs> having fun with the rest of us. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Are there any last notes, any uh, items you want want to leave our listeners with before we uh, say goodbye for now? Yeah, I guess the last thing I would say is I just encourage people to think about this idea of separateness and connectedness. So if you're um, if you're angry at your friend or your partner, you know, think about uh, maybe you're connected to them somehow uh, rather than it was their fault. If you're thinking about politics, um, think about like maybe you're somehow connected to these politicians that are running for office or in office. Maybe your thoughts and actions are influencing them. Maybe they actually are representing sort of the the collective in the U.S. So just think about that. Maybe you're connected. It's really powerful thought. Maybe you're connected. I like that a lot. We would like for our listeners to stay connected to us. You can find this show along with the rest at biolitics.org. You can find us on Facebook and various other social media platforms at Biolitics and Instagram at biolitics.podcast. I'm Gaurav Dubey. 
And I'm Major Martinez. And this is, is Biolitics. Science Humanized. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Thank you so much, Adrian. Thank you so much, Matt, at Sonic Palace. The studio session will be available really soon. And take care, everybody. Have a wonderful evening.